the Almeida Theatre podcast. Today's podcast is with the designer Miriam Buther. Miriam has worked uh, in theatre and in opera all around the world, uh, but she's also a local artist in that she's based and practising out of Islington. She's worked a number of times at the Almeida uh, on extraordinary designs for shows such as Albion, Game, Boy, and she and I have been working for over 10 years now together. Um, I caught up with her to talk about her beginnings as a designer in Germany uh, and how she was feeling during the lockdown. So, Miriam, how are you? Yes, I'm okay, actually. Um, yeah. So are you enjoying like the break from work or are you, are you still, have you got a lot of stuff in preparation or, or what? Well, I have, um, I don't have, my, I mean, I feel like on one hand I don't, I hardly work except mm-hmm. the occasional, um, you know, Skype. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just actually got a new job offer for next year, which was really nice because mm-hmm. <laughs> everything looked so bleak. But mm. um, I'm so, I feel like I'm so busy, like never before, because I homeschool my kids, you know, so I'm really busy. Yes, um, I know all about that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but I miss, so is- you know, I miss, obviously, I miss work, you know, I miss the theatre. Yeah, um, yeah, we all do. It's of course, very we were- strange, yeah. And we were about to get to work on a show as well. But one of one of the things we're doing with these podcasts is um, trying to capture that that what it is about theatre that is special now that we don't have it with us. And um, was there a show that you saw starting out early on in your career, or, or more recently, that made a really big impact on you um, professionally? And, and 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 can you tell us at all about what that was? Um, I mean, you know, growing up, I've seen so many fantastic shows. I grew up in Germany. I grew up with Pina Bausch and um, the Volksbühne and and uh, the Berliner Ensemble. So I, f- I feel like as a teenager, I've already th- I've seen so many shows. My mum always took me and the bar was sort of set very high already then. Mm-hmm. But I've seen actually since so many shows and something which I remember, which, which I've only seen two years ago, was uh, which I really loved. Um, and it was quite unusual. It was um, Taylor Max, uh, a twenty-four decade history of popular music at the Barbican, mm. and um, I don't know if you know about this, but he's an sure. American actor, playwright, performance artist. And I just really thought that was incredible. That was performance art at its best. And and uh, he, I mean, at the the Barbican, I saw the abridged version, so it wasn't it wasn't twenty-four hours long. He, originally, he did it in New York, twenty-four hours long. Um, and I just felt it was basically for for one man to hold the entire Barbican was um, incredible, and mm. and I really felt it was so epic. It was really fearless, and it had everything in it. Like obviously music all night. They had an orchestra on stage, um, but it also had poetry and activism and comedy and puppetry and and you know for me as a designer it was an he had a fantastic connection with the audience like every 15 minutes people handed the audience props and clothes mm. and um ping pong balls to throw and apples to eat and uh you know it, it was it was really spectacular and rebellious and mm-hmm. very intelligently made um oh interesting, interesting and and i saw i really thought that is sort of something only theater can do you know like, yes. you know, this is so unique to theatre that there is one man who, I mean, obviously he had an orchestra and, and a ton of helpers and some local special guests, but in end effect, it was a one man show. And to to be able to do that, you know, to he had a he had a, a conversation with someone in the second balcony right at the back of the house and and everybody was he completely had 
the entire Barbican in the palm of his hand. And that was so um, incredible to see and so, so unique to what theatre can do. Yeah, that's um, amazing. I mean, it seems because I suppose, given how spectacular your designs are, you know, maybe instinctively, oh, I might have expected <laughs> you to have, um, have, have a show that you were leading in its description about... I don't know, a piece of scenery or a kind of amazing uh, mise-en-scene or reveal. Mm. But it's it's interesting that you, the thing you've gone to is is about the actor and about the, yeah, yeah. the actor-audience <clears throat> relationship. Um, mm. is, is that yeah. typical for you, do you think? I mean, it, it's funny because, I, you know, I was thinking back through all the shows and and one of the very, very first shows I saw as a child was Uso. It was actually very often uh, shows which have incredible actors in it. It was a show... Um, about Dostoevsky, uh, a little Dostoevsky play, and there was an old actor, he was so old, they had to carry him on stage, and it was so beautiful. And again, there are so many, you know, I mean, of course they are fantastic. You know, you also think of the um, the toenail group, the, the um, mm. uh, Roman tragedies, which had have incredible set, and that really had made impact in a different way. But um, I, I am really, uh, because, you know, I, I can see great sets and I sort of understand them. I know, you know, I know where they come from. I know how to do that. But if I see this incredible acting, I just I'm totally um, stunned and and really, you know, that that people can take you to other places um, mm. is, is, you know, I find fascinating. I love that. So listen, so you grew up in you, you grew up in the old uh, East Germany. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I grew up in East Germany. So what was that like, kind of both? What was that like as a, a world grew up in visually as well as a schooling? Yeah, well, it was I mean, you know, at the time, that was all I knew the the, the sort of grow up in a socialist um, system. And, and actually, now looking back, it's so I find it so valuable, because you do, I've sort of know the alternative to capitalism, you know, because when you grow up, when you look in the world right now, and you see all these problems we're having, Mm -hmm. You know, then you go, well, capitalism surely is not um, a system which is valuable, which we can live in, you know, which we can sort of, uh, you know, where we can all thrive and, and save the planet, you know. And then you go back and I think about, well, how was it at, when I grew up in East Germany? <laughs> so Socialism, that wasn't really the answer either. So I find it really quite, looking back now and having these questions, uh, mm -hmm. I find it really interesting. You know, it was... It was, um, yeah, I mean, I grew, you know, I grew up there. And then we we left um, before the war came down. We left three years before the war came down. You could apply at the time. If you had family in the West, you could apply um, for family reunion. And we, so my mum applied and they, obviously they um, didn't let us out. At first we had to wait for three years. And, uh, but we had to pack everything. I remember my mom packed everything our entire life. I lived in these cardboard boxes for three years. And then one day they just call you and we had to leave in 24 hours. Wow. Um, wow, that's so, incredible. Yeah. So, so how old were you uh, a teenager at that point? Or? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a teenager. So, so when you look, when you look back on that, um, you know, uh, former sort of uh, East German world. Were you going to the theatre then? Did, do, you, do you remember what the aesthetic was like of, of uh, shows in the, when you were growing up? Was it still very much in a sort of Soviet-influenced era? Or, or Yeah, it was. I mean, I sort of, I, you know, that's... I, I think I saw my mum was very... went to the theatre a lot, and the theatre 
in East Germany was very political, you know, was a sort of mm. platform for, uh, in a way, in the same way as the church, you know, a sort of, uh, a, a sort of platform to <clears throat> try and say your opinion, because obviously you couldn't just walk around and, you know, t mm. tell everybody you think the system is crap. So it, it, in that sense, it was, it, it was very, it was great to grow up there and, and see the shows and, and, um, you know, mm. see people like Heiner Müller making theatre and, and uh, you know. Rebellion, yeah. So what is it, do you think, in the, I mean, obviously, um, so much British theatre, particularly in the last 15 years, has been very influenced by European theatre and by German theatre in particular, um, particularly around, you know, the design and classical staging. What do you think it is about the German aesthetic mm. or social disposition that, that, creates a sort of more um how would you describe it I mean, more expressionist kind of approach to making work is it or, or uh, yeah more, more critical a, yeah maybe it's uh, you know I, I find when i came to england i felt one one thing which is immediately uh which sort of springs in your face is that um they're much freer with text you know like mm -hmm. here people say it's the writers britain is the writer's theater so whatever, if you do classics or new writing, it's very, people here stick to the page very much, you know, or, or sort of, if you know, and in Germany, they, they, they're much freer was the take, you know, they, they sort of shape the text to what they want to say. So it, it, mm -hmm. it could, you know, if, if it's a classic, it could end up being complete. I mean, now, obviously, people do that here as well. But, but um, there, I feel they, they, it, there's a whole tradition, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's sort of more much more experimental and and also they have uh, there's more funding you know it starts with that they have more rehearsal time um mm. like from a designer's point of view for example designers are um they they able to be much longer in the rehearsal room so they because mm -hmm. they you know they don't always have to jiggle four jobs at once they have better salaries so they the people that are expected to be in the rehearsals, uh, uh, the whole creative team, you know, for the entire rehearsal time, the rehearsal process is much longer. So, um, you know, I suppose that all feeds in into yeah. a sort of... Um, and is it true also that they have this, um, when you present the white card of the model, they, they actually build it on set on set for you to see? Yeah, yeah. it's the called Bauprobe, Bauprobe which is, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. which is amazing because you can actually see your uh, design, your model in one to one, you know, so you have me making this model in a smaller scale in one to 25. And then before they build everything um, in one to one, and then you can't change anything, they sort of mock it up. And, and it's not very detailed, it's quite rough, but you can see uh, the proportions and, mm -hmm. you know, then you can still make changes. Wow, and that's amazing. really, yeah, it's great. And do you think there's anything I mean, we, we look at the, uh, the German system, particularly with their level of funding, like you say, and, and their aesthetic and their commitment to ensemble and, and repertoire, you know, with a lot of envy. But do, do you think there's anything about the system over there that is um, less strong than, than England or, or anything that you think needs uh, re-energizing? Um, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that you have there is more of a hierarchy you know you have this sort of ladder so you work your way up and here which is quite which is amazing in britain you have it doesn't really matter if you're 20 or if you you know 30 40 mm -hmm. 50 if you have a great idea um 
people you know people there there are people who who will try it you know if you know mm. obviously you have to be connected right and but but it's you know there's less of a, a hierarchy i find in britain yeah. So t tell us about how you got going. I mean, you, you trained at Central, was that right over here, Central St. Martins? Yeah, I, I actually trained in uh, costume design first in, in um, Germany, <laughs> in Hamburg, and then... And now you and, never do costumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's funny because I actually, yeah, I used to do costumes more, but the uh, interesting thing is that, that I know, I, I actually know how to make all these clothes and everything, you know? So sometimes mm -hmm. when people say to me, oh, no, uh, this we can't make this and I know how to do it but um so I, I trained as costume designer and then and then I felt I mean my family they're all architects uh, mm -hmm. my my father and my mom is landscape architect my brother is now as architect so um I I really missed working with space and then I worked with a um an installation artist for two years and we mm -hmm. sort of worked with clothes and space which was very interesting and then um, I came to London and uh, it was more by chance. I found Central St. Martins. I actually came here to learn English and then um, I applied and I got an EU grant at the time for to study theatre design. So, and yeah, and then mm -hmm. that was it. And and so was that a good course, Central? Did, 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 what did you take? Yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was brilliant. I had, I had a really nice time, Central St. Mm -hmm. Martins. And uh, it was interesting because a lot of um, European students were older, you know, because obviously I had already uh, studied once and then worked with an, with an artist. And so I think I, I came and I studied again when I was like 28 or something. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of um, British students were quite young. They did their foundation and then they, uh, you know, they studied mm -hmm. set designers or something. And, I sort of hung out with all the European students because they were all older. So, yeah. and I, I had a really, I had a really great time. So what does it, because I think people maybe, if you don't know what drama school is, maybe you can imagine what that is for an actor. But if you if you were a teenager thinking that you love costume or set, what, what, what does, um, what, what is a training in design? What, what does that involve? What does your week involve if you're at a, somewhere like Central? Um, well, you sort of, gosh, I have to think back now, it was long ago, <laughs> but um, you sort of learn, uh, you, it was three years and um, you sort of learn the sort of, I think the most important thing we learned uh, was creative thinking, you know, and, and really trying to express um, different emotions and, you know, stories was um, in space, you know, and there are, there are a whole lot of exercises and then you also learn technical drawing and uh, you do some painting and some sculpture and you have, you know, visiting artists coming in and in the last year it's much more practical so we put on we put on our own performances mm -hmm. and uh i remember i even acted in one Good. <laughs> uh, i wish i was there um, <laughs> yes i can't remember but it could, clearly not my path but it, it was it was good to do it all you know we produced it so, so you could do one show in year three and you could either do it in the building or you could uh, go elsewhere. And I went with some friends. We did. Uh, we went to Three Mill Islands and had a little, uh, had a sort of, uh, sort of a warehouse, and uh, yeah. you know, made a piece. And yeah, it was fun. Cool, cool. So, so let's move on a little bit to um, to process because I think people are really interested in, in, in this. Um, 
somebody asks you to do a show, like like how, what's the first thing you do? I mean, read the play, I guess, but but where does it begin for you? How do you start work on on a project? Um, it's funny, you know, because I'm doing this. I'm running at the moment. I'm running these uh, Zoom. I'm running a Zoom art club for my son and some of his friends. And mm -hmm. we also started this thing called job introduction. So I've just did this. <laughs> I just did this the other day for him. Um, so anyway, so when yeah, so I meet with a director. I mean, you know, with you, mm -hmm. Rupert. Um, and you would um, look at the play, maybe read the play together. Mm -hmm. and really look at uh, this, you break it down into a sort of storyboard, you know, where how many scenes have you got, where are they set? And then you would do a lot of research um, about, mm -hmm. you know, all the scenes and have a Dropbox together where everyone in the creative team shares images. Um, mm -hmm. And then I suppose you start with conversations with the director, you start um, sketching maybe or try things in the model and um, mm -hmm from there yeah it develops and what do you because it's interesting that you were saying that about the german tradition being less interested in the text as a sort of sacred thing but it's a huge amount of your work has been in new writing hasn't it and a lot of the mm. the directors you work with repeatedly are you know really focused on new writing so so for you in a play particularly a new play what what, what as a designer are you looking for um, and, and also what do you think your your role is in terms of bringing that to life? Um, well, it really depends on the play. I mean, I really love new writing. I think that's, I think, partly why I make theatre, you know, that you deal with um, problems which concern people now and, 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 and you know, themes. Mm -hmm. um, so I suppose you, yeah, you just, it's also really nice, actually, new writing. You can actually meet the writer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, you know, when I work with Carol Churchill, for example, we meet Carol and then quite often she doesn't actually know exactly what, um, she doesn't know what, how, visually what the set should look like or anything, but, um, it's so interesting to talk to the writer about what, why they wrote that and what they have in their mind was that character. And you just. You just take baby steps, you know, talking mm -hmm. to the director and the writer, and then eventually you you sort of start, you know, some visuals come to you. I mean, mm -hmm. do, you ever, do you ever have that situation that you maybe fall in love with the play and the writer is, you know, maybe in their stage directions or something, um, asked for something maybe more naturalistic or, or um, you know, some, some environment, a kitchen, whatever, that that feels part of the scene that you feel is unnecessary do you, do, mm, do, do, yeah is, is that lot. complicated <laughs> so <laughs> so how do you navigate that do you think that's the director's job to negotiate that or, or do you talk to the writer themselves or yeah i think i think uh it depends on your relationship with that writer but it happened to me and you remember it was actually in our show earthquakes mm. do you remember earthquakes yeah. in london where mike wrote um mike bartlett yeah yeah mike bartlett i mean he i love I love his work. I've, I've designed many of his plays and he mm -hmm. is amazing. And, but do you remember in Earthquakes, he uh, wrote at the beginning in his stage directions, mm -hmm. uh, there, there was a, like a ton of furniture and yeah. props. Mm -hmm. And we felt in a way it's not actually necessary to tell that story. So, mm -hmm. um, and then in the end, we ended up with hardly any, and he was completely on board. So it wasn't like we had to spend a long time convincing him otherwise. You know, I think if you if you 
that's the brilliant thing about theatre. If you you work, um, it's a collaboration. So you you, you know theatre at its best as if the collaboration is it works mm. well. You know, so the the writer and the, the the director and the designer all work together. Yeah. So, but it feels also the, the the missing part in that, and I think maybe what makes you particularly unique is is the audience and your your interest in how you situate uh, an audience in relation to a performer and and how how much you like sort of you know breaking up conventional ideas about that spatial relationship and I, I think of shows like the jungle obviously that you did that was so extraordinary to be environmental particularly in the west end but also the, the young vic and mm. um you know some of the shows we've done there's earthquakes in london lots of the, the things we've done together as well have had uh the audience have arrived and already the moment they walk into the theater they are in a different spatial relationship to the one that they might expect mm. um wh where, where does that come from in you and and can you say is that the architect's background <laughs> yeah maybe i mean it's also I've seen a lot of um, when you know when I was studying here. I saw a lot of site-specific work, you know, like uh, Punch Drunk and Shunt, and mm -hmm. um, and I was always quite fascinated. And I thought um, one should find a way to bring that into the mainstream theatre, you know. So so do that kind of have that kind of um, feel or that excitement, that sort of unpredictability in a in a theater building you know so i love it if you if people come in and they're much more alert you know if they come into a building and the seats have changed or they're in a different place or suddenly a space who is end on uh, most mm. of the time is turned into the round or or you know i think i think it's i mean that's what theater is about isn't it to surprise people and to you know like really engage people and yeah i mean i think the other thing that your designs do so well that you know, I think of things you've done even with us, like Game or Boy, um, mm. the, the Travelator and the, the the kind of little glass box for that for for um, uh, Game. That I, I feel the audience sit there and they they know they're going to have to be active. Yeah, uh, not exactly. that, not they're going to have to yeah. participate, but they maybe they're going to be seen in a different way. That their their body language is somehow part of the experience of what's happening in the room, and and I, I just think that makes them so much more alert and. Mm. Um, it's very clever the way you do that. So, um, so yeah, exactly. So they can't, they're ultimately sort of part of the event in theatre. You know, it's not, that's not what like cinema where you lean back and you open your pack of crisps. I mean, that's what theatre is much more, you you always, I find, much more um, active and involved in the event. And you can, as a designer, you can actually really um, be in charge of that and, and you know, uh, make use of that, that, that uh, relationship with your audience to really invest in that and come up with a space which mm -hmm. you know yeah the other thing that i i mean i was talking about our working relationship but i think that is sort of really fascinating is that i think sometimes there's a, a a belief that the designer needs to listen to the director and indeed the writer and interpret their their vision or whatever it might be but what i what i love about uh your work is that sometimes you may find a shape or a space that is like intuitive and not at all mm. obvious necessary for that play. And then the challenges to the director and the actors to say, can we tell the story in this world? And mm. so, so, so the, the rest of the creative team go to the design rather than the design coming to the text. And I think that's, um, mm. it's, it's very stimulating that, I think. Mm. Um, that's also great about you. I mean, as a director or, or directors who um, engage with that, who, do, who are not afraid of, 
of uh, you know imagining a play in a in a you know in a uh, on a great big round table or in a completely yeah. new configuration um, do you feel that's what you want for, so so what do you like in a director like what do you and because you're very loyal to the lucky few of us who, who work with you regularly <laughs> but um but, but what is it that you're you're looking for in in, in that particular because of course they're going to stage it's like they uh coming back to the architect model you know you, you're you're making the the home the house but they are you know putting the family mm. inside it in some way yeah yeah and that's, that's a responsibility nice. um yeah you, know, you to them but also them to you what, what what do you what do you want from that from a director um well i think that they're open to um you know to sort of really go all the way and really explore things maybe a new way of staging where um which they haven't done you know like I remember when I did, um, I mean, with you, I did. We we did a lot of, um, you know, uh, like earthquakes or um, mm. the effect, or we had we had we uh, had a lot of great spaces. But also, I did um, the trial with Richard Jones or the Travelator, mm. and that mm. was quite, um, in a way, it's quite a responsibility. I feel I have then, I because I give the director something which I believe works, and then. And, but then he is ultimately has that responsibility to sell that to the actors and make it work with the actors. Mm. Um, so, and I suppose I mean, that is the you know that is the wonderful thing if the, if there's a trust you know a genuine trust that you that the director sort of trusts me that what I come up isn't isn't is you know can work really well and and the other way around. So let's just talk. I mean, like the trial is a good example because uh, there you've got a big piece of machinery. For those who didn't see it, the young Vic, a big travelator moving constantly. So props and actors moving along this huge conveyor belt. Um, you know, I guess you have. Do, do, do you have that in rehearsal during when, when you're rehearsing? Yeah, and in, in, in yeah. So if you have a piece of machinery like that, you have to have it in rehearsals pretty much from day one. Yeah. And and so, but do you feel how much technical expertise do you have to have as a designer to to solve that, or are you relying on the people who are making that equipment? Or yes, I mean, I do get to know, um, you know, every time I do it, I learn more. So so, um, but you you ultimately rely on the you know the travelator people, mm. the the people who the engineers who make them, you know. Yeah. Um, so and it, it, those are the people who you call if the thing gets stuck, but <laughs> um, which happened to me a few mm. times. But um, and do you, yes. have, you, have you ever been in that situation where I don't know doing a preview or, or um, you've looked and thought, oh, this thing I thought was this this vision I had in my model box you know many months ago is just either the wrong thing or not going to work or do you feel like just working at it eventually makes everything work? Yeah, you know, I actually I never had that that I looked at a thing and went that's. <laughs> not i know it sounds a bit arrogant but actually somehow i felt like but you know by the time also you have questions the design so many times the design process is quite long and you wake up every morning and uh, uh, you know over this period of whatever three months or something wake up every day and go is this really the right idea you know because and you know you try and imagine it on stage so it's actually quite a long process it's not just a quick decision you make mm -hmm. you know um so and by so the time it gets on stage sorry yeah it's it, 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 it. yeah and who, who are your um 
who are your biggest influences do you think as a designer i mean and have, have they changed over your career have, have certain people come to either other designers or artists or whatever uh come to have a big influence on you or, or um, um all from you yeah i think i think generally i do see a lot of you know i mean normally now at the moment no, no one can go anywhere but i i do see a lot of um other shows and um you know, when I'm in Berlin, I try and see shows there or go to the, the theater treffen or um, go a lot to uh, to exhibitions. Art, actually, visual art is, is a great influence, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or architecture for their new materials. You know, it's quite interesting to look what are the new materials people work with. So, mm -hmm. so their influence is all around. Mm -hmm. and, and what about, I mean, so... You know, uh, you've worked at the court and you, in fact, I guess when you were starting out, you were doing, where did you start out? What was your first shows in London? Was that in the court? Um, or? Well, the first show, because when I, at the end of my last year um, at St. Martin's, I won this Limbury Prize for stage design mm -hmm. and you win a show. So I won um, a show. I mean, it sounds like you win. It's not a lottery. You sort of have to design. It's like a design competition. And um, you, you, you de you've developed the design with a director or a choreographer and then there's a jury and then you, mm. you know, if you win, you can, the show gets realized. So my first dance piece was um, at Sadler's Wells, <laughs> wow. which is yeah, uh, not exactly small. But you, but, you, but you did do some small shows to begin with, didn't you? Didn't you and Sasha do some quite? Yeah, we did. And, and yeah, Sasha is a, such a fantastic director. And, one of my favorite collaborators um she we worked um we did uh, a show called bintu at the arcola theater That's um right, yeah. and that was yeah that was incredible because sasha is like you know we we both had the same sort of interest to uh, do something completely different and uh, you know really explore mm. the relationship between audience and performers yeah so so tell me what so what is the difference between working with sasha wears at the arcola and you have Scott Rudin on Broadway doing Killer Mockingbird and these huge shows that you do, or the Royal Opera House. I mean, mm. uh, how is that journey and, and how do you, um, is it the same activity or are they completely different worlds? No, they're, they're quite different in the way that there is sort of much less money at stake. I mean, I feel, I feel like opera is a completely different thing altogether because you have to design them well in advance. You have to design them at least a year in advance and then and then you cannot change your mind, you know, once this mm -hmm. thing, because it's such a big stage. So once this is all in production, and even when you're on stage, you can't just suddenly go and say, oh, actually, I don't like that pink. Can we paint it all purple? There is no way this, you have to really work on the model um, and really be sure. And then once this is off into production, you can't really change it. While in theater, and it's similar on Broadway. I mean, in Broadway, it's much. It's still quite a lot of flexibility. So you can still, obviously, you you, you know, you work on it through all the previews. Um, but in mm. in you know theater, working with Sasha, working with you at the Almeida, anyway, it's it's a. I feel like it's a more open process. You know, if you feel like you're in the theater and you want to ch make changes, and they they changes which you know are important, they 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 will be made in what mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what, um, I mean, obviously, you had a very fantastic start winning that Limbury Prize, which is, of course, a, and the Limbury Prize is a wonderful, wonderful um, mm. prize in itself, but also a, a way of um, finding new and emerging designers for people who don't know about it. But but for, yeah. for, for, for young people who maybe have either done the design courses or, or are interested in going to the design, maybe from 
who knows fashion or whatever it could be from another another area what, what, what advice mm-hmm. would you give them about you know if you're 24 25 whatever sort of starting out do you think it's good to assist other designers to make models to mm, yeah just go definitely. on your own no i think i think uh, i did that i assisted um Vicky Mortimer and a few other designers. I think it's really good to uh, see the process, you know, from from mm-hmm. within and really get a grip on what it is and what it what it means. And and also at the same time as I was assisting, I did my own shows, and that's that was also just really important. I did shows which were hardly paid, but they were really what I wanted to explore, you know. And 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 then of course there is always a sort of slightly a tricky moment where people start offering you work and it might not be the work you'd like to do and I was always quite um you know I was always quite certain that I would not take work uh because for the money you know I would mm-hmm. I, I would I would turn them down and say no I, I don't want to do that and I, I would assist you know other designers mm-hmm. and then do my own shows which were not paid mm-hmm. on the side I think this is the only way to really find out what you want to do and what you're interested in. And when you say your own shows, I mean, obviously, it is a collaborative um, art form. Was mm. that through relationships with, with directors that you were getting? Exactly. Those, yeah, yeah. So, mm. so, so they're not like my own place. They, they exactly, they would be um, as a young directors, I would. Yeah. And how did, how did those come about? Were they just accidental meetings? Or were you, are you being introduced by an agent? Or, or, or yeah, uh, you sort thing? of yeah no i think you have to really go out and see a lot of see a lot of stuff and there's Mm -hmm. nobody nobody comes and uh, you know tells you about all of this you have to sort of really go out and see a lot a lot of shows and then again um if you assist on bigger shows you might meet um the assistant director on that big show and you find out um actually you really click and there's something Mm -hmm. you want to maybe try together you know because um, one of the things I've always found really fascinating about meeting designers is um, there's so rarely a correlation between, um, you know, necessarily how someone talks about the work and, and, and what the work is. And, and yet you have to sort of be a salesperson as a designer because you're meeting, you're trying to make relationships with directors and, and, and writers. And that seems unfair. Did, did you have a portfolio that you took around to begin with? Or, or, I did. I mean, yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I did have a portfolio, yeah. Um, and is that is that is that something important? You think? Do you think you know emerging designers? You should really focus on that and make sure that you're. I guess it's you know when we were starting out, it was probably like a, a book, but now it's all all. I know exactly now. It's, I, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, do you have a website I, I, now? I still no. You know, it's funny. I still have the book. Um, actually, now I have nothing. I, I really need to make a website because now even all my assistants have websites. Um, it's you know it's my bar is so high to have a really brilliant website that I just haven't found the right <laughs> website designer. <laughs> um, I think definitely I think it's important to have um, a portfolio of your work and even if it only has like eight pictures, but they are the pictures who uh, you know they are of work you really like to do or you really like personally. There's no point to have a great big portfolio of thirty pictures. And they're all a bit vague and they and you don't really mean it i think it's good to you know to have something so people who look at it directors look at it and if they find that interesting and they want to explore that they then you have a good um collaboration if you show them something else you don't really mean then you know 
that's already that you might end up with with work it was working with someone who um you don't get on with or who has a completely mm. different aesthetic so just just one other thing on, on the practical side i'd love to talk about is 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 budgets and money because some of your shows yeah. are huge and, <laughs> and obviously um you know I, I, your politics are it's not my are, favorite subject <laughs> <laughs> but how but how, what, what do you think the what would you say to again a, a designer who's learning their way like should they think about budget or or just forget that and and that will come out is that the production manager's job or like how how do you how do you make sense of that when when mm. you're you know, I, I have to say, I never really look at the figures. I know it sounds terrible, <laughs> and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I think I think this can really stand in your way to, um, you know, to to be creative and come up with a brilliant design. I think you should obviously at some point when the when the design gets costed and somebody comes back and says this is twenty thousand pounds too expensive, you have to start thinking about the figures. But um, I find, especially in theatre, there is so much depends on goodwill. You know what people, um, or you know, you find that some people might really like the idea, and there's a different way to go about it, which costs less. You know, especially mm -hmm. if you work in different. You know, if you now, if if I work in smaller theatres and also on Broadway and an opera house, I sometimes find this this wall with that door cost sort of 10 times as much at the raw brass. You could make the same or with these two doors much mm. cheaper somewhere else, you know? So in a way, money is, um, you know, it's, it's relative in that. I think it yeah. should not stand in, in your, in your way. Your vision. And, mm. and what about, um, you know, when I think of some of the pieces you've made that have been, um, you know, more political, I guess, sort of like a show like the jungle, for example, which was mm. dealing with the refugees in uh, outside Calais and, uh, you know, or boy at the Almeida. Do, do you do you feel that you want to politically radicalize an audience, or or is that too um, too grand? And are you just trying to um, change, sort of stir people's thinking up? How, how how much how much sort of interest do you have in how the audience leave the room at the end? Mm, I think I think uh, definitely that's really important. I think that you that's why I like theatre, which is political. You know. Mm -hmm. which has something to say about our times and and you can provoke people you know that they it's great if you have that power you know in your job you can put on a piece of work which steers people's minds and they're provoked and they come out of the theater and go i want to do something about these refugees there's so much i didn't know i think it's it's uh brilliant um mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. poverty you know black boy you know that boy maybe, maybe next time you you go somewhere and see a boy sitting at the tube station you you would look at him again and maybe engage in a conversation. I think it's really important and really, um, it's the, you know, the power theatre has. Mm. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Well, listen, that's fantastic. Let, let's just finish then, if you could, because I ask everyone this is just to say, oh, yeah, 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 sure. uh, what what is it about? Um, what do you what would you find interesting about the Almeida as a space or to, to make work in um, or, or to be an audience member? I mean, like, because obviously you often you work on. In huge mm. spaces um so so what yeah what do you i mean enjoy? i mean um it's it's uh my local community theater for a start you know i can walk there and i feel like the the people i see and and the audience are like the people i see at the school gate you know yeah. um and and so it's sort of my own immediate society making theater which is wonderful mm. and then and then of course i um you know i love everybody working there is great because um it's mm. it's a bunch of people who really care about every show um that's being put on and and 
it is like a big family. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it really, I feel everybody knows um, exactly what everybody else is doing and sort of takes one's responsibility, not only for that, but also for um, other bits, you know, like when we did Albion, for example, I loved it that Jason, who's chief technician, took care of the plants and, or when we, you know, present a model, when we have a model presentation, Tina from box office is there to really have a look at it, how we, mm-hmm. you know, what we do with the audience. I think this is really, um, it's really great that this is, you know, in a, a smaller theater possible. And and then, of course, you can, ch- that you can change its configuration is great for me. Yes, because <laughs> you, could, of course, I remember you saying to me that it's it's a shame we have the balcony because it'd, it'd be mm. nice just to have one one empty space. But I always think that you yes. uh, sometimes like tying your hands to your side kind of makes you invent something more different anyway, more, uh, more inventive <laughs> yeah. anyway. So, um, well, listen, Miriam, thanks so much for doing this. And um, uh, yeah, okay. obviously, we, sure, we are exactly. mid, mid-process, so I hope you'll uh, be back on the Almeida very, very soon. Yes, um, but... I hope so too. All oh, right. Thanks, Rupert. Take care. Thanks, Thank you for listening to the Almeida Theatre Podcast. Recently, we've had to take the very difficult decision to temporarily close the Almeida. As you can imagine, this has had a profound financial impact on us as a charity. And right now, every penny counts for us. If you are able to support us during this time, any donation, large or small, will make a huge difference. Take care, and I look forward to seeing you at the Almeida soon. Thank you for listening to the Almeida Theatre Podcast. For more, head to almeida.co.uk forward slash explore.